0: Listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark.
1: Welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I am Andrew Berkshire from SDPN's Game Over Shows, and I'm here with my lovely podcast co-host, Mary Clark from For the Win. Follow us on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire and at Mary C Clark, and follow the show at Crosscheck NHL. We have a good show for you tonight, or I guess today. Depends on when you're listening, really. It goes live Tuesday mornings. But uh, there's all sorts of NHL news to talk about. There's you know, the lightning avoiding a sweep, the Colorado Avalanche putting the Oilers on the verge of one. Then there's former referees putting their foot feet in their mouths because they just can't seem to stop themselves. There's some awards that have been awarded and some controversy around them. And, of course, we'll end up with our pop culture segment. But before we get into all that, Mary, how was your weekend?
0: My weekend was good. Uh, I went to a Phillies baseball game, which they have since miraculously turned around and have won three straight. Uh, So they won the game that I was at, which was nice. Got to, you know, hang out with my family, do a little bit of tailgating. Uh, It was a good time. Uh, What's nice is it's, you know, sunny out. um, So... It's, it's the the weather is good. Um, it, it's just nice. It's uh, I've talked about before the sun. It's always nice to just be out in the sun and just you know rest and recharge and whatnot. So um, Are you saying it's weekend?
1: always sunny in Philadelphia?
0: Not always, but when it is, it is very nice. So uh, yeah, but had a great weekend. Um, just looking forward to more hockey because. Yeah, I mean, it is we're 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 getting down to it and we're going to discuss how um, these conference finals have gone so far. But I'm very happy that so far um, we're avoiding a sweep in one of the series, but we're not sure about the other one. But how about you, Andrew? How was your weekend?
1: It was good. It was good. We did. Uh, we've kind of figured out a routine for the weekends for the spring, summer,
0: mm-hmm. fall,
1: basically not winter is we figure if we can plan four activities to keep the kids occupied. It will keep the days busy enough that they don't have full-on meltdowns. Ah. Uh, un- unfortunately, Miles was still a little bit under the weather so he mm. was kind of cranky all weekend anyway, but uh, they, l- they had lots of fun anyway. We went to a couple parks. We went to Dylan's favorite park, which is Shaped Like a Train, which is always Aww. fun. And yeah, so we had, a- we had a good weekend. I wa- We started watching um, the first season of Stranger Things over again after okay. getting through the-, the fourth season, and you know, I, I don't know if you've seen all the people pushing like a different like uh, theories and stuff about where Stranger Things is going. We mm-hmm. will talk about it in the pop culture segment. But there's some interesting stuff in season one after watching the fourth season to look Ooh. back on. All right. Uh, I don't know if it's just drop the ball in consistency or if there were hints all along. We don't know.
0: I'm, I'm intrigued because, I mean, I watched season one when it came out like everyone else and I, I haven't revisited it. It's so, yeah, I, I I would love to hear about that because, you know, it's it's fun. Theorizing is, is is it's a lot of fun, especially for like TV shows and whatnot. And just it's great.
1: So 100%. All right. Uh, let's get into our hockey talk because it's always fun. Uh, the Lightning and the Rangers. It hasn't been the series that most of us predicted. The Lightning have looked kind of under underwhelming so far. But at the same time, if you look at the advanced metrics, the Rangers are doing what they've been doing this whole postseason, which is getting absolutely rocked at even strength and in all situations and still winning. Now, a big part of that is Igor Mm Shosturkin. You know, they've got some high end shooters on that team as well. But so far at even strength in this series, the Lightning are shooting at 3.25 percent (laughs) and the rangers are at 12.12 so if there was any doubt this year about who's the better goalie unfortunately for andre vasilevsky so far it has been igor shesterkin but Mm -hmm. the lightning scored one as they love to do in the Mm -hmm. final minute of the game to break a tie and took game three of the series to make it a series mary what's your take on this series so far is it is it going to be just the Rangers finish this out in the next two games? Do you think the lightning are so cagey that they're going to find a way through here? Or is Igor Shusterkin just too friggin' good?
0: I think game three was a breakthrough um, because halfway through, it looked kind of dire for, um, for the lightning because uh, they, uh, they were down two nothing basically halfway through. Then I don't remember who scored, but it was like a couple minutes later they were able to score and cut the lead. I'm like, all right, this is like, like, feels like the Lightning were waking up, and then they tie the game, like, a minute or so into the third period, and then they have that big goal, um, like, within the last minute uh, by Andre Palat, with an incredible pass from Nikita Kucherov. That was, like, if you didn't see the goal, you should, because it was a really great play all around, just, like, it's always the lightning and these last minute goals that you know seriously that, yeah i know it's it is absolutely wild they did it against the panthers obviously that you know really put a put a nail in that coffin for the for florida um but this just to me this feels like a turning point like this is like the the lightning aren't going to you know lie down and like you know get rolled over basically uh we thought they were going to be tired. We thought they were going to not have as much steam overall because of how much hockey they've played. And they've kind of looked it in this series. I mean, they're a bit ragged too. They've had injuries and stuff like that, which affects every playoff team, but like for the longest time, the lightning have looked like unstoppable in the, in the playoffs. Uh, This finally feels like that. They've, you know, are a a little bit more mortal than they normally are. But um Game three, for me, felt like it could be a turning point. I mean, we'll see how game four goes because it is in Tampa. um, And that, you know, uh, home ice advantage does matter. You have, you know, the crowd backing you. You have, you know, the line changes and whatnot and stuff. So I think that it could be a turning point. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Igor and shuts the door on them in game four. Because, you know, we've seen what he can do. He's He's been an incredible goalie. The better one in this series, Vasilevsky has not looked like um you know the the world beater he has um in you know previous series but you know the lightning were able to you know rally and whatnot in game three but so far shursterkin has his number and i also wouldn't be surprised if the rangers just shut the door on them in game four and then go back to new york with three one series lead and and tie it but or you know win the series but For me, the most chaotic option, I don't know if you saw this, Andrew, but the most chaotic option is the game, it goes, the series goes to game seven, and game seven is supposed to be scheduled on the same night as a Justin Bieber concert at MSG. So I don't know what they would do. So, (laughs) yeah, so I'm rooting for the most chaotic option here is that it goes seven games and I don't either, it's an unstoppable force meets an immovable object of Justin Bieber versus a a (laughs) hockey game in New York. So... To say I saw that tweet going around earlier today, uh, and it's just something to you know watch out for if you have no real rooting interest in either of these teams, you could just root for the chaos option. Uh, but overall, I mean, yeah,
1: would it be kind of funny if Leafs fan Justin Bieber, like, say, the Lightning get on a huge role heading into game seven, game seven at home and Leafs fan Justin Bieber gets to exact his vengeance by forcing them to <laughs> reschedule the game, and the Lightning get knocked off of their role, and the Rangers come in and win Game 7. I feel yeah. like that's a storyline that many people on social media would <laughs> grasp onto, and it would make uh, Justin Bieber the most successful <laughs> Leaf in the postseason in 18 years. I
0: know, I know, right? Uh, there, there is that element, too, of Justin Bieber's uh, you know, chosen team of the Maple Leafs, uh, and their you know, history with the Lightning this uh, this postseason. Uh, it's it's fascinating. I have no idea. It, because it's weird, because there's a game, like, there's a day off between, like, I think the last game of the Colorado series, if it goes game seven, which we'll talk about. Um, and there's a day off between game seven. So there's, like, there's, it's weird that there's, like, there's usually one game a day, but it's weird that there is a, a break between the last possible game of the Western Conference final and then the last possible game of the Eastern Conference final. I don't know if it is scheduling if there's another thing happening at MSG that day or whatever, but it just seems to be a weird little scheduling goof. Um, But yeah, I mean, for me, going back to your original question, Game 3 is pivotal. Uh, The Lightning were able to battle back in the way that we... uh, They they showed resiliency in um, the way we've seen before from this team. Um, And to me, that showcases that they're not out of this fight yet. Um, but we'll see if that momentum carries into the, to the fourth game of the series. But I could, you know, if I had to predict, I think we're going back to New York tied two, two, but you know, one, another good game for me, Gorsher Sturkin could turn that all on its head again.
1: Yes. And of course, by the time you listen to this, I think, I oh, no, you No, it'll know, be the Western conference final. Yeah. We'll know whether or not the, the other series is over. So that's, that's fun in and of itself. But for this one, I'm still on the, I, I. I tweeted it this morning. It's like the Jesse Pinkman meme, right? Like, I can't keep getting (laughs) away with with
0: it. Yeah.
1: Like, I understand Chesterkin is good. I do. And I respect that goaltenders have a huge amount of influence over games in short sample sizes. At the same time, let's go over each series, the share of high danger scoring chances, because I've seen a a few people being like, well, the Rangers just get better scoring chances than opposing teams, which, (laughs) granted, they get better maybe than average, but They're like a middle-of-the-pack shooting team in the regular season and also middle-of-the-pack shooting team in the playoffs. So let's go over their actual number or share of high-danger scoring chances in each series versus the Penguins, Mm 33.7%. That's really bad. Abysmal. Mm -hmm. Against the Hurricanes, 38%. Also very bad. very, very bad. Against the Lightning, 39%.
0: Well, I think it is increasing. At least
1: it's moderately increased each series.
0: You know, maybe by the time if they get to the Stanley Cup final, it'll break forty.
1: Maybe. I mean, that's the other thing, though, is they've got another game in Tampa. So usually the home team does a little bit better. We'll see. But uh, it, I, I don't, I don't believe in the Rangers. I'm sorry. <laughs> they have a good core. I, I like their young players. Once they grow into their potential. It was nice to see Kapokako get something going mm-hmm. in. The, I think it was Game Two, after he's just been like I forgot he existed for a portion of this season. Like mm-hmm. he's just been such an underwhelming player. But uh, overall, I just can't see how the Lightning can mess this up. Vasilevsky needs to be better though. Like he yeah, he just has to be I think better. that's
0: I think that's the key. If Shostakovich continues to outduel Vasilevsky, I think that is that is the you know basically the Rangers' win condition as it yeah I, I feel. like...
1: He doesn't have, like, Vasilevsky doesn't have to be better than Shosturkin. He just has to be, like, almost as good. Mm-hmm. Right? Just get within spitting distance, and the Lightning should outscore the Rangers. And I know Braden Point was announced he's not playing in Game 4, mm-hmm. uh, according to John Cooper. And the fact that they've said that a day ahead of time makes me think he's unlikely to play in this series at all. Yeah. But if he does play, that also, I think, would spell doom for for the Rangers. He's oh, yeah. such a high-impact player. Mm
0: -hmm. it is yeah it's it's you know injuries like that on like another playoff team might cripple them basically but the lightning are just too good they're like they're they're i mean they've been here before they know what they're doing and nothing really seems to rattle them outside of like early on they kind of looked rattled in this series um in a way we don't often see from them but game three was more like at least the back half of game three was more like what we've seen from them and i think that you know they're a team that they know how to win. Um, and they're going to grasp onto that and, you know, make game four incredibly competitive. Um, so it it's nice to see some life out of them because the first two games were like, oh, oh, wow. Are the Rangers really going to do this? And then it kind of looks that way for part of game three. But, you know, the lightning were able to come out and, you know, storm back and take the take the lead in a dramatic fashion as they always do. Um, so yeah, I I am really looking forward to the rest of the series, especially because it's not going to be a sweep. I was very terrified that we would get both conference finals um as a sweep because that would suck. Uh because it has seemed like the um the enjoyment or you know, the excitement factor of the com- or the series have gone down each round. Uh, and I'm glad at least one of the series uh will not be a sweep. It could be a, gen- a gentleman's sweep, we don't know. Uh but it is a little bit more excitement because um, out in the West, it is, uh it's not looking so hot for one of those teams,
1: uh, but this is true. And by the time you listen to this, you will know the results, but yeah. let's get into the Western conference final because that's going to be an exciting one. I, I know that uh, they're on the verge of, you know, ending that series early, but uh, before we tell you about that series, let's tell you about built bar, make, make sure that when you're, Needing some energy that you check out Bilt Bar. Don't you love chewy, chocolatey brownie? What about a caramel brownie with caramel swirled on top? So good. What if I told you that you can have all that chewy, chocolatey deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein? You're in luck because caramel brownie bars are available at Bilt.com right now. And you got to act fast because they're a fan favorite. Forget about dessert. These are better than dessert. Plus, the macros are unreal. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only four grams of sugar, I would replace a regular brownie with Bilt's Caramel Brownie Bar in a heartbeat. The best part? Caramel Brownie Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Like for real. With Bilt Bar, you don't have to sacrifice being tasty for being healthy. You can have both. And all Bilt Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. There are a million reasons that you should try Built bars, but for now, let's just say that Caramel Brownie will rock your world, and that's not an understatement. With Built, tasty is the new healthy. Go to built.com to get your box of Caramel Brownie bars now. Go to built.com with use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. We have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so that we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. All right, Mary. So the Western Conference final, the hockey itself has been really exciting, mm-hmm. but there hasn't there isn't that like hook in the series to keep you invested because Colorado just keeps winning. And mm-hmm. I feel like maybe we wouldn't be in this situation if Darcy Camper didn't get hurt because he just has not been very good. But Pavel Francius has been phenomenal against yeah. the Oilers uh, in two games. And I know he didn't. He was a little bit bumpy in the first one, but he came in cold. I feel like you got to forgive him <laughs> for that. I've been really impressed by his play in this series. <laughs> it's almost like Colorado was done a favor <laughs> by losing their <laughs> starting goaltender, which is wild because Kemper has been a great goalie for a long time, mm-hmm. but he's just been out of it in these playoffs. And they, the Avalanche just look unstoppable. And yeah. even now, without Kadri, I, I'm not sure if there's an avenue back for the Oilers. But I don't think it's going to be a sweep.
0: Mm, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, what a series this has been in terms of just, like, you were right in the excitement level, at least in terms of, like, the the play, like, because Colorado is just so good, it, the hockey's not going to be bad, uh, and especially because, you know, you've got Connor McDavid and stuff on the other side, even though they haven't had as much of an impact outside of game one of the series, but, like yeah this has just been in terms of just like the excitement factor overall on the ice fun but uh it is uh less exciting when you're like well it's three nothing and uh by the time you hear this this could be a sweep um so that you know it is it's it's a shame uh i wish it was a little bit more competitive but yeah it the what what i keep coming back to is the the cadre injury i mean we're gonna talk about it uh but it's a big shame uh that he's very likely out for the rest of the series because um what an incredible story he has had in these playoffs um also he's just a fun player and has really yeah. contributed a lot to this um this uh avalanche lineup um so it just sucks that we're probably not going to see him for the rest of the series i don't know if it was confirmed or not i saw You know insiders saying that it was very likely he was out but i don't i don't think i had seen anything else in that regard um but yeah it is just i i guess i'm not surprised though with the way this series has gone because the avalanche overall this this postseason have looked like the best team um just in terms of like they seem to skate with such a ferocity they are they're, they're overwhelming and it is like, even yes, even if um, uh, Darcy Kemper was not playing up to the level we have seen him play before, the Avalanche were able to overcome it. And now it seems like, you know, Franco's is just on another level. And I don't know if anybody really expected the backup for uh, the Avalanche to be as good as he is. So it is, it, it really has been a fortunate um, turn of, not turn of events, I guess, but like just a fortunate for the avalanche that, you know, Francoise is playing incredibly well because that could have been a turning point for this uh, series uh, because you never want to see your starting goaltender go out. I mean, look at what happened to the Penguins. Look at what happened to the Hurricanes. Um, you, We've seen what, what happened happens. to the
1: avalanche last year.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the avalanche have had this happen to them, too. I mean, it happened in, you know, a previous round, uh, but it has happened they to them. Happen
1: to them the last two years?
0: I think so. They've had an incredible... Like, just terrible injury luck overall. Uh, and it's not like making excuses for them because they, the teams, like, their teams were talented enough they should that they should have made it, um, you know, further than they did. But they also have been ravaged with incredible, like, just awful injury luck. Uh, which sucks because uh, they're a fun team. But it is... Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, the Avalanche are the best team in these playoffs right now and i don't think there's a question even if the lightning are the back-to-back stanley cup champions is just they're just firing on all cylinders right now and it is fun to watch um but yeah it's a little bit uh sad that the oilers haven't been able to you know find a counterpunch basically to them uh especially because they have mike smith in net and the duality of mike smith Is what is probably my favorite thing about these playoffs just in terms of like you can let in goals from uh you know halfway down the ice or whatever and and then you know in the same game also make incredible saves and keep the oilers in it it is just mike smith is just the funniest story about this like in these playoffs to me um not like i'm trying to make fun of the guy like but
1: It's just, he's wild. It is. And he's a 40-year-old goaltender. There's no one else in the league like Mike Smith.
0: No, no, there isn't. He's a 40-year-old goaltender who has moments of brilliance. It's like somebody else, like somebody else possesses him. uh, And like, you know, the ghosts of NHL goalies past possesses him for like a handful of saves. And then he goes back to being like like a complete klutz on the ice and lets in like you know wild goals and gestures to you know a defender or whatever and it's just like the, the duality of this man is something else to behold and you know it is it's it's very funny overall in just terms of what he's done in these playoffs because yeah it's something else
1: did you see the picture of him going to the bench with his helmet off That was like making its way around oiler's twitter no a couple i have ago because I, I posted it because uh, he looks like... You remember the movie Ghostbusters 2? It was yes. like the guy in the painting mm-hmm. the Vigo the... Carnian? Uh, Carnadian? Carnetian? I don't know. Anyway, he looked like Vigo, like the angry mm-hmm. look. And I posted that and somebody responded with a picture of him like when he first broke into the league with Arizona. Mm-hmm. I guess... Uh, he was, I think he was with Tempe first. Maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, it was him with Arizona years and years ago. And he had like bleached blonde hair, and he looked like a surfer bum. And it's like, wow the the change over wow. a fifteen plus year career. You know, it, it's wild. We've uh, seen
0: so many facets of Mike Smith over the years, like from
1: butt I goal think, to blue line yeah, goal. Yeah,
0: he's just had a fascinating NHL career. Like, it is just it kind of it makes me want to root for the Oilers just because, like, I want to see this story continue. Like, what else can Mike Smith possibly do in these playoffs? um that we haven't seen before because he just he just seems to get into the weirdest situations possible and it is the most chaotic option all the time. It is it is really funny. But I don't I I don't know if we're gonna see a sweep or not. I I think Colorado is just too good and considering how uh disappointing uh like like the excitement of the series overall have been compared to the first round, I I might predict a sweep here, but man, the, the Oilers have a long road back and I don't think they're going to do it. It's very possible that they, you know, avoid the sweep, but it's not going to be for long They're uh, They are just being outclassed here. Yeah. And...
1: I mean, the Oilers are not going to win this series. It, it, the avalanche are way too good. Mm-hmm. I think the only reason why I'm not saying a sweep is because watching Connor McDavid play, he is still just such a man on a mission. And I feel like, yeah, Without Kadri in the lineup, there's just more room for him and Drysidel to go and, and make a big impact here, especially mm-hmm. if the Oilers separate them. It's it's gonna be much more difficult for the Avalanche to line up against that. But what makes me like very confident in the Avalanche anyway is the scoring they've been getting in this series has been from their depth. You know, like yeah. McKinnon's factored in, but you got guys like Valerie Nakushkin, JT Comfer hitting the hitting the the mesh there, Arturi Lekkinen, I think, was like one of their best players in Game Two. I think it was, like, they're just getting everybody that they need to contribute to contribute. It's been really, it's a team effort. It's like a, team it it's is, like it a is. full it's
0: team effort from this team. It's a
1: Stanley Cup team effort. Yes. Right. Yes. This is what Stanley Cup teams do is like when one guy's down, it's that next man up. Mentality. And we've seen He's
0: it from the white Tampa Bay. Like, yeah, yep. I mean, they are kind of the blueprint, or at least the modern blueprint now for this 100%. type of thing. Uh, I mean, well, you've it's like seen Braden it from... point
1: gets injured. Right. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, no, you've lost your defensive matchup center and one of your best offensive players. How about a lightly used Anthony Sorelli? <laughs> <laughs> you've he also just crushes it.
0: You've also seen it from the Penguins, because where do you think yep. the Mark Donk effect uh, came from? Uh, is is the same thing so you know the avalanche are fitting nicely into that mold of you know everybody is contributing um everybody is bringing their all even if like the superstars aren't lighting it up constantly they are they don't have to and that's the hallmark of a really good team a really deep team a team that can get postseason success and it is you know the the template we have seen throughout many of these stanley Cup wins, or at least teams that stick around long enough, like like I said, the Penguins, the Lightning, uh, because, you know, they've both won back-to-back Stanley Cups. Um, it just feels like the hallmark of a, you know, a very well-constructed team that is just firing on all cylinders right now. And I going back to the Oilers, I was looking up Connor McDavid's stats over the past couple of games. After game one, when he had that three-point game, he's only had one point in the last two games. Uh, yeah. Even though he's still visible on the ice, the, the Avalanche have just found a way to neutralize him. Um, and
1: it's the I, only I, team really that can play with the same level of speed as him. Yeah, like, have you seen yeah. the, the clips going around of like McCarr against McD- uh, McDavid? Yes, mm-hmm. the one guy who can actually skate with him on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. It's incredible to watch, honestly. It is. It, that uh, I, I say chess match, but it's so much more thrilling. <laughs> it's yeah. like Queen's Gambit level chess match. Mm-hmm. But uh, I should note Frank Saravalli tweeted a little bit earlier here today that uh, Dylan Holloway, who is the Oilers' like top prospect in terms of readiness and uh, impact, is scheduled to play in Game 4 to take over for Evander Kane. Uh, um, Dylan Holloway yeah. played in the American Hockey League this year. He was taken, I believe, 20th overall in – oh, no, 14th overall in the 2020 NHL draft. I've seen a lot of people compare him to Cole Caulfield, actually. I don't think he has the scoring stats of Cole Caulfield or at least – Nowhere, yeah, not, nowhere really close to Cole Caulfield since he was in the AJHL. But a good year in Bakersfield. He finished the year with 10 points in 10 games, uh, four points in five playoff games when the Condors, I guess, got limited in the American Hockey League. Good player. Tough. Probably not on the level of uh, Vander Kane.
0: Yeah, I was going to say little tough. A lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, tough. It was a real tough shoes to fill, especially in an elimination game. And we we really should talk about, uh, you know, the Cadre. Um, you know, Cadre is out. Well, I mean, we mentioned it, but like, you know, Evander Kane with that, you know, boarding hit on Cadre. Uh, very dangerous play. I mean, for those plays aren't as like egregious in terms of just like their their the the level of violence, I guess. Um, like as like a head hit but it was still an incredibly dangerous play uh, Kane got suspended for one game that's why um, the, he's stepping in for him um, and uh, Tim Peel had uh, some takes Andrew uh, and they weren't very good uh, and um, I believe he tweeted just one word he said karma after yes. you know Kadri was injured and was taken out of the game and then that tweet was deleted but screenshots everybody they live forever um so this has just been there's the, there's always drama related or around nazim kadri and a lot of it um you know is with his reputation and also you know the racism factor in it but who oh boy it's not a good luck for tim Peel who just keeps putting his foot in his mouth andrew
1: yeah it's it's a tough one um like i've talked to tim a few times i've had him on my show i dm'd him when kadri hurt uh, Jordan Bennington about that whole situation because yeah you mentioned that one as well he was very like anti-Caudry in his stance I think like I don't want to say anything I don't I want to be careful but Tim definitely lives in St. Louis (laughs) so there's a little bit of bias there I think Mm. towards the Blues but uh, I I don't understand this kind of behavior from a former NHL referee because even if you're not working for the league still I think you want to maintain a level of not even impartiality, but professionalism mm-hmm. that makes it look like your career wasn't tarnished by things like an emotional decision, like, you know, not calling a penalty on a guy that you don't like. Mm-hmm. That hurts, I think. It hurts Peel's legacy. It is not great. Also, like right after that, he deleted it and started like promoting his referee camp. I was like, maybe not the best time. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and between him and Dave Jackson, both of them, it's like 80% of the time that they open their mouths. I'm like, "Mm, this is why I don't like refs. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't (laughs) doesn't look good. Neither of you are giving me a good reason to like support officials. Yeah, it doesn't. It
0: just doesn't look good. Like Tim Peel was uh, refereeing NHL games. um, What, like 14 months ago, 15, something like that. Like it wasn't very long ago that he was. In the league, and his opinions uh, probably have not changed from you know when he last refereed an NHL game to now. I would yeah. assume. Um, so it only it it kind of shows you you know what you know if Tim Peel is thinking this way, how many other referees are thinking this way, but they don't they don't say it. Obviously, the referees are not a hive mind like they they don't all have the same opinions. They are you know different people after all. But like you know it is it it just makes you think about like you know. What, what? Uh, you know, NHL referees are like what they're prioritizing, basically yeah, in terms the, of you know how they call games.
1: The illusion of like emotionless impartiality is like busted. Yeah, like, th- that's the big thing. Is I think everybody, if they think about it too like enough, realizes that referees are human and they're going to react in human ways. But it definitely seems like there's not much effort. Mm-hmm because it's one thing to think those things and it's another thing to be like I'm going to blast this out to the world on Twitter. Yeah. Like listen, we all have moments of weakness all of us who are extremely online. <laughs>
0: right? Yep. Uh,
1: if you are online, say you know that we probably shouldn't have said out, out loud online, right? And not even necessarily controversial things, but just things you didn't need to voice your opinion on it, yeah. you know? We all have things like that that we delete or or regret.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But when you're a professional who's paid a lot of money to do something in a high stakes situation, you got to learn when to shut it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that's my takeaway from that situation, but uh, we'll, we'll move on from that and we'll talk about uh, some awards stuff and maybe where Barry Trotz is going to head up, end up uh, if he's going to end up anywhere, because it's kind of up in the air right now. I've heard some conflicting information on Barry Trotz right now. So we'll see. But before we tell you about that stuff, we've got to tell you about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is also a family business, serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you could possibly need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in there. how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, so Mary, there have been four semi-major awards that have been handed out so far. Uh, No Norris, no Vesna, no Hart.
0: No. Those are coming this week, right?
1: Yeah, those are coming this week, I guess. But. As always with awards, there (laughs) comes controversy. And now that we have open ballots, there's more scrutinizing of how certain people voted. Obviously, there's a controversy right now in Montreal because Carey Price won the Masterton Award, which is rewarded for like perseverance and dedication to the sport of hockey, which I guess gets turned into, you know, uh, who... Persevered the worst things, and I hate this award—the
0: misery just... award.
1: I I hate it. I hate it because every single year, all this award does is lead to toxic discussions, mm-hmm. like toxic arguments and debates over who suffered the most or who yeah. got through their suffering the most. And I hate it. Like, carrie Price does he deserve this award? Yes. Are there ten to twenty other people in the league who also deserve this award this year? Yes, probably more, because there's so many stories of guys going through awful things and coming out the other side or just being super dedicated to hockey. It, like There's a reason why, when you go through this, I believe 23 different players got a first place vote mm-hmm. from the 183 or something uh, total votes from the PWA, or PHWA, Professional Hockey Writers Association. I, I hate this competition like, oh, well, this guy got over addiction. Well, this guy's brother died and this guy broke his leg in seven places and missed a whole year and came back. Like, these aren't things that we should be comparing as like a sport, you yeah. know, like every team should have their nominee. And then at the awards show or whatever or during the playoffs, they just have a tribute video and they go over each person what they've overcome or what they're dedicated to the game dedication to the game is and then we celebrate them all mm-hmm. i feel like it's not that difficult
0: yeah it doesn't it, misery shouldn't be a competition no uh it really shouldn't and um the it it's nice of the nhl to like showcase these players who have gone through things um and you know they, they want to showcase their stories. They want to lift up their players. I think it's good that the NHL wants to do that, um, but in in it, it shouldn't be an award. You're right in that they should, you know, nominate a player and they should just, you know, celebrate them all for everything that they've gone through and whatnot. Uh, because especially the social media backlash to things is just a bad. I know that you know social media only takes up a very a small but very very vocal part of uh, you know the hockey sphere overall, but it is. It's still just uh frustrating to see because, you know, it's you don't compare like Carey Price's struggles to, you know, stuff like Kevin Hayes losing his brother and whatnot. It's just don't do that. Uh Well, you shouldn't compare, uh, you know, everybody's traumas or misery in real life. And sports players are human, too. They, they are. It's just and, toxic. I yeah, it's it. just it's it's. I think it's an award created with good intentions. It is just is I don't think it is the way to go about it. So I hope in the future, the NHL, you know, uh, redesigns this award to just, you know, celebrate players and, you know, showcase their stories. Um, because you know, people really like, you know, the uplifting stories and whatnot of like, you know, people going through stuff and then just being like, I've been able to come out on the other side of it. And I think it's good to amplify that stuff in hockey. Um, because it's you know it's come overcoming tragedy or your own or you know stuff like that is just something to be celebrated um but it doesn't need to be a competition it can just be a cool feel good story where we can just be like like you know congratulate these people on getting through things because you know it's the nice thing to do but yeah, yeah it doesn't need to be a competition that's for sure
1: it it really doesn't and i don't know if you've seen the controversy in montreal but no uh, you know price uh, obviously won this award it was not mm-hmm. a consensus he got 50 first place votes out of 183 mm-hmm. he was on i think 89 ballots out of 183 so like not a consensus this award is very rarely a consensus because yeah. there's so many worthy stories but only two people in montreal media had voted for price eric mm. Engels voted him first arpan basu uh, voted him third, and the Francophone media essentially ignored him. Uh, so that was like the big thing in Montreal. Um. Like, oh, all these guys hate Price. But like the point is that they're not navel-gazing. They're looking around the league, and they're, different people's stories speak differently mm-hmm. to different people, right? Like some people look at the award, and they, they focus on things like the dedication to the sport, right? So they voted – For Zdeno Chara, who played third-pairing minutes this year as a, what, 44-year-old? That's impressive, you know? uh, Yarmou Yager won it when he was 44 for leading the Panthers in points. Obviously, he's a little bit better than Chara is now. (laughs) But uh, you look at how this award has been going on, and I've seen some people, the the arguments, like, oh, well, they're ignoring things close to home. Well, like, their job isn't just to look at the Montreal Canadiens with this award. Mm -hmm. And you, you have to read all of the things that people were battling through or or have gone through in their careers to get to this point to be nominated like Kylock pozo right this is the first time he's been healthy since what 2018 yeah that's and pre- pan- that's pre-pandemic
0: baby that is like exactly that is, that's like that's another a whole world, other away. world yeah that's a whole other world away
1: yeah so it, it's there's lots of great stories to to look at and i saw like i don't want to you know name names Per se, but I've seen some people saying like not voting for prices, like ignoring substance abuse, which is a very big issue in the NHL and uh, modern day, like the opioid epidemic is epidemic is huge. Right. But uh, you look at the last few uh, winners of this award and there's Oscar Lindblom, who, you know, went through cancer treatment, Mm -hmm. Bobby Ryan uh, addiction. Yeah. Robin Leonard. Addiction and mental health issues. Uh, Brian Boyle, cancer again. Craig Anderson, his wife went through cancer.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: there's, it's basically been cancer or addiction for the last five yeah. or six years. So again, they did focus on addiction overall. But we can't like I we need to stop litigating this award and what people's choices are because there's there's no wrong choice. Now yeah, on the other side there's the Selkie, which <laughs> Patrice Bergeron won for a record fifth time this year Mm -hmm. and frankly probably should have a few more of these in his closet uh i think there's probably a few people who voted on this award purely based on reputation because you you have those people around the league Mm -hmm. but if there's anyone who deserves it it's It's patrice Patrice bergeron Bergeron, yeah yeah he's like the
0: the exception to the rule of the of the um uh the reputation award and what yeah the reputation
1: vote right yeah, yeah but the craziest thing about bergeron is this year at 36. He posted the best defensive numbers of his career.
0: That's wild! What right? a what a what a machine! Like just, in the
1: highest scoring uh, season in like twenty years.
0: Yeah, he's gonna be like we don't know what his future is going to be yet in Boston. He is going to be sorely missed when he. leaves. Oh yes, yeah. he is. If the, he leaves the Boston, are, they're they're going to be in a different team. One hundred percent. Like well, I know it's just one considering... player, but he does so much for them.
1: It is. Yeah, he's incredibly impactful for them, but also. Brad Marchand got surgery on both hips and Charlie McAvoy is out for, I believe six months as well. So you're the Boston Bruins are looking down the barrel of starting next season into 2023 with no McAvoy, no Marchand, no Bergeron. Yeah. That's a tough one.
0: Especially in the tough division of the Atlantic. Yeah, that is, it is going to be, they seem ripe for a fall off, not through any fault of their own. I mean, the, this team is, you know, Basically their window is closed and, you know, they had, you know, I know they haven't had more recent success, but, you know, they've had, they've been, you know, Stanley cup contenders. They won Stanley cups and like, yeah, like they've been around and their window is now closing and, you know, if Bergeron comes back, yay. But I still don't know how much, like, it's just going to be a tough road for them, I think. But what a, what a player he's been absolutely deserves that award i saw people were like you should just rename it to the bergeron award instead of the selkie uh so we'll see if boston gets their wish here but absolutely 100 well deserved in that regard and like i guess the exception to the rule of the reputation vote because he like you said has deserved it more than he has gotten it
1: yes 100 and you know as opposed to the non-earned reputation vote if you look through the votes on the selkie mm-hmm. a bunch of people voted for anzi kopitar he finished, I think, sixth in voting.
0: Mm-hmm. He wasn't
1: the best defensive player on his own team. Oh, yeah. Uh, Deneau was better. Denno, yeah. Significantly so this season. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. For those who remember, the whole reason of bringing in Deneau was to free up Kopitar mm-hmm. to play more offense, and he did do that this year. Uh, Deneau took the tough matchups. Deneau had better defensive numbers overall, and frankly... And I know it doesn't matter for the award, but deno was way better in the playoffs. Like, I oh think- yeah. Kopitar got rocked by the McDavid and Drysital lines in the playoffs, but uh, Denoe was actually quite good. Uh, the Marc Messier Award also went to Enzi Kopitar. Mm-hmm. I I don't understand this award.
0: That yeah, another Messier I.
1: gets to pick. <laughs> it just seems like a joke. Yeah, because it's, it's not, not like he's in the room for these teams.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I have. Yeah, it's a weird award. There is, it is just it doesn't it doesn't seem to have any relevance whatsoever. Except it's like Mark Messier is like, here you get to choose a player, hooray! It's, yeah, a, it's it, it is seems such like a like weird a, award.
1: Yeah, it almost seems like it's just an effort to like keep Mark Messier around the league. And I'm like, do we really
0: do? You, do we need that?
1: Do we need it? Like, no. he's not that entertaining.
0: Yeah, I was like, what's the point? What's the point of it? It just it doesn't. Doesn't make any sense. There's no real fun factor to it either because it's only one person picking the award. There's no like debate. There, like like, yeah. how do you quantify leadership in terms of just like, like it's not like you can have debates about the heart or the Vesna or whatever because you can, you know, pull numbers and stuff like that and see what you value differently. Now it's just like, it's a, it's the most hockey award imaginable. It is chosen by one person who is a hockey man of all hockey men, basically um, to determine heart and grit. Essentially, like I get teams having their own kind of versions of that award, because I think the Flyers have, I don't remember which award it is, but there are, you know, I know that they have an award for either best leader or something to that effect of most heart and leadership. But like, I think it's fine on a team level because it's, it's team awards. Who cares outside of, you know, your local fans, but like it is just the most hockey award imaginable and it doesn't need to be there.
1: It has been legitimately funny twice. Uh once when he gave it to Daniel Alfredson in twenty thirteen and Alfredson promptly like left Ottawa.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: and the other time was in twenty sixteen when Shea Weber had the worst year of his career and was absolutely fucking terrible in mm-hmm. the playoffs and then was traded in the offseason.
0: Yeah, at least it makes there some funny moments and coincidences, but it, it is does. not an NHL award that we need to keep around.
1: Just- no, it isn't. It However, it does not, uh, not need to be there. I will say one award that is improving in voting is the Jack Adams. Uh, they gave it to Daryl Sutter, deserved. Yeah. He was the guy.
0: Yeah, he was the guy. Uh, I know Penguins fans always talk about how Mike Sullivan should be a part of these these awards. Uh, yeah, he barely Adams. got any votes, which is crazy. Yeah, I know, which is wild. Uh, and I think they have a legitimate case, but Daryl Sutter was the, the correct one. What he did with the Flames. Playoffs notwithstanding, because these things never really a- account for the playoffs at all. Um, the he really was able to, you know, bring a lot to this Flames team and get like bring out the best in his top line. And that top line was something else this year. Uh, career years yeah. for a lot of those for a lot of players on the team. Markstrom was really good in the regular season. Um, it's a shame that they weren't able to get it together in the playoffs, but it's a regular season award. So what can you do?
1: Not much. But exactly. uh, we'll end the hockey talk there. We'll talk about the pop culture segment in a moment, but first I got to tell you about bet online. Bet online is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news and odds including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference finals, Major League ba- bas- uh, sorry baseball, and of course all the latest fighting news from MMA, MMA and UFC to boxing. Bet online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so Mary, I know it was a it was a busy weekend for me. I I talked about uh, getting into the first season of Stranger Things again. And should we start there?
0: Yes, because the only thing I did, like I said, went to a baseball game. Uh, the weather's been nice outside, so I've been reading. Uh, I got, uh, I'm going on vacation in a couple of weeks, uh, and I checked out a book from the library. It's the second book of the Stormlight Archive uh and it is huge uh I read a lot of fantasy books and this is the chunkiest book I've ever gotten and so I was like oh I'm gonna start reading it just so I can like you know make my way through it because like I was like there's no way I'm gonna be able to read this all in a week or whatever because it's huge uh but now I'm just like oh no I've gotten to the point of like I've read a couple chapters and I'm like I just want to keep reading but I have to stop myself because I have a couple more weeks of vacation and I don't want to like have to borrow another book from the library right before <laughs> it's it's a Reading is good. That's basically it. But yes, I want to hear your Stranger Things theories because, like I said, I have not gone back to rewatch the first series or the first season since I watched it. So, uh, you know, please blow my mind with these theories, Andrew. Well,
1: these aren't mine, right? It's just stuff that I've seen going around. But Mm -hmm. when you watch the first season of Stranger Things, comparing to the more recent seasons, uh, especially this current one, which, spoiler alert, uh, the Demogorgon in Russia, right? They're able Mm -hmm. to kind of like trap it. Yeah. But the Demogorgon in the first season of Stranger Things is able to go in and out of the Upside Down at will. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And it isn't like just killing everyone willy-nilly. It's taking them and bringing them back to the Upside Down. Mm -hmm. Now, the theory is that Vecna is the one who was actually bringing them back into the Upside Down, not the Demogorgon for some other purpose. Mm -hmm. And he was the one... Because he he can open little openings, right? Mm. Into so he was the one who was allowing the Demogorgon through once the portal was opened. Because mm. like in the latest season of Stranger Things, like there's a plot point that uh, everything in like the Upside Down is a copy of the current, like the real world as of the night that Eleven accidentally opened that portal in the Hawkins Lab, right? Mm-hmm. So things that had happened since then aren't reflected in the Upside Down. So, first of all, there's a big plot hole in the first season when uh, Joyce puts the lights up. Mm-hmm. To That wouldn't be there, <laughs> I guess. But mm-hmm. I don't know. There's, like, so there's some inconsistencies from the first season to the fourth season. I think they're probably just plot holes. But there's a yeah. lot of people picking at threads and thinking that there's like... Things that have been laid way back in season one. And it's possible some of them have been. Maybe Mm -hmm. the Duffer brothers have just like written things onto those plot points to build on it. But there's a possibility that Vecna has been active since season one just behind the scenes. And there's like an overarching continuation the whole way through. I I mean, I buy the fact there's an overarching. Yeah,
0: it it makes sense. They
1: had a five season plan from the beginning, according Mm -hmm. to them. So we'll see. But there's definitely a lot going on. Like, I, I know I, I saw some people say that Vecna had Barb, but I don't think I think that was just him showing an image of dead Barb to Nancy.
0: Yeah, I think it was that. But I mean, we don't know the full scope of like the season. The season isn't yeah. over yet. Technically, Exactly. So we won't get the next season until a month from now, essentially. Yeah. Uh, like the next I, part, which is like two episodes that are super long or whatever. But the point stands, there's still a lot like the, the plot of this season isn't finished yet. We've got right. like some reveals and stuff like that, but there's still more stuff to go.
1: 100%. I will say, though, it is very jarring to go back in season one and see Steve Harrington be like kind of a jerk.
0: <gasps> yeah.
1: Because <laughs> he's, yeah. he's so redeemed and like mm-hmm. a fan favorite character at this point. Yeah. That it's just so odd.
0: Yeah, I, I completely forgot that, yeah, he was a big jerk in season one. And it, he is the best character now. And like his, like I, I think I said it before when we talked about the fourth season that like his group, like, you know, that section of Hawkins is the best part of the show for me. And yes. I want nothing but good things for them. And I hope nothing bad happens to them. <laughs> Please, dear God, no.
1: <laughs> I find uh, it funny that like Mike is very much the like main character. Mm-hmm. Of season one, and he's like the protagonist that you follow through, and he's the one that, you know, believes Will is alive. And in this latest season, I find he's the the member of the original core that I'm least interested in.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the maybe the point. It's maybe. it's because like you, they don't have a lot to do really. They're kind of like like all the stuff is happening in Hawkins, so you know he leaves like Hawkins, and or you know he leaves when all the action is starting so they have to do something else with him and that crew to make them more like i i i'm excited and i hope that the the two episodes that are remaining in the season bring everybody back together so like all everybody's all in the same place and like you know um like some of the characters have more to do basically because there's not like the action is all centered in hawkins really there's you know the stuff with 11 and whatnot but the more interesting stuff is the stuff in hawkins obviously the alaska thing too but
1: it reminds me a little bit of game of thrones where mm-hmm. you know like when danny is in marine and they're like how yeah. are we going to get all these people back into one spot and you, you hope that they have the an answer yeah
0: <laughs> that was like a huge thing in game of thrones where like yep, the, t- the travel time the travel time makes no sense
1: yeah it, oh. it takes like a full season to go from winterfell to king's landing and then all of a sudden it's half hour
0: Mm. <laughs> you just gotta progress. Like, oh, it's so fun! I get the, I get. It's the like criticisms. they unlock
1: in the video game. It's like they unlock, unlock. speed travel, or you like can just like travel. hold down the button.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, but yeah. Oh, uh, what a time! Game of Thrones. What? I, uh, what, what, what an amazing
1: time. brand that completely destroyed itself in the span of two years.
0: I know it's it's wild. Part of me is like, I want to rewatch it just to see. Like, I'd love to like listen to a podcast where it goes back and rewatches it and dissects everything that went wrong with it there's probably (laughs) there's definitely like youtube essays about it so maybe that's what i'll do later today like look up like everything that went wrong wrong with game of thrones because i'm past the point where i'm mad about it now like sure at the time i was like this sucks but now i'm just like whatever there's a a bunch of other media that's you know just as good if not better than game of thrones
1: um i just want to read the books like I, I just want George R. R. Martin to sit down and write the damn books. No the more side is, projects, I don't no remember. more maps of Westeros. Don't care. Do it, man. I, I understand that you have your own freedom and nobody can demand things of you, but also you're kind of pushing it a little bit. The last book came out when I got married. That's oh 11 years ago.
0: Yeah, it's so funny the the, like there's two ends of the writing spectrum and as a fantasy uh series uh fan i know this you know you've got your george r, r. martin's on the one you know side of the you know spectrum of like hasn't finished the series t- has like 11 years between books or whatever uh and whatnot then you've got like the author of the Stormlight Archive and Mistborn books, Brandon Sanderson, who yeah. writes New all the time, week. a book every week or whatever, and is like like putting out books at a ridiculous pace. And like the Stormlight Archive, I think is supposed to be 10 books. And he's like through four and they're huge books. And I'm just like the dichotomy of the fantasy series. But as I was Seriously. saying before, for Game of Thrones, I don't remember what happened. Like, I don't remember the point at which the books diverge, like the show diverged from the books. That's the worst part about reading fantasy books is that like, There's so much that happens, and it's so hard to remember sometimes what happens in those books because there is so much. I I should just probably read, like, a fan Wikipedia or whatever But I need to, like, you know, when another book comes out. And it's been, like, a year or so since I read it. I was like, I I don't want to read the whole book again. It's Just, like, give me the plot summary because I I remember, like, the major details but not, like, the small things or whatever. You
1: need a previously on
0: yes i they do the books need a previously on where like at the beginning you give like like a couple paragraphs summary of what happens that that would solve you're right andrew that would solve everything so please fantasy authors do that (laughs) (laughs) because i read i read so many of them it's sometimes so hard to remember what happens because you know brain small and whatnot can't remember things
1: for sure all right that's all we have for you today on the crosscheck nhl show thanks for making the crosscheck nhl show your first listen every tuesday and friday Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.